Hey guys, welcome to Greek Tragedy. It's psychology without the science, so it's philosophy. Today I'm joined with... Hannah! Hannah! <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, so today I had this philosophical talk with a professor, and he asked me basically a personal question, and it was, do you trust anyone, or do you trust anything? And, you know, before taking this class, I think I would have said, yeah, for sure. But I feel like taking this class, international relations and kind of seeing history trends, betrayal in my life, betrayal in other people's lives, I've kind of adopted the idea of not trusting anyone or anything so far. So I guess this episode is going to be formed around the philosophy of trust um, and the the epistemology that follows trust. Um, so Hannah, would you like to just start off, go to the bat? Do you trust anyone? Do you believe in trust? Do you think it's a real thing? And anything to do with it. Trust is definitely a real thing. And I trust very few people. Um, I think trust can even be brought back to the biological. Um, I mean, like, when it comes to hunting. Like, if you, like, kind of the hunter and the prey, trust is kind of an emotional mm-hmm. rendition of that. Because when you're prey, you're either constantly making sure that you're not being hunted. And then as a hunter, you're trusting that your prey is vulnerable enough to be hunted. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you think about that in a social setting, it's basically the same thing. Totally. And I think that last week we covered like Rousseau's uh, story about the stagnant and the pig. And it's like, you have the option and you guys are all hunting this one prey. Right. But how do you know your next door neighbor isn't going to go and foresee another bigger prey and betray your little pack and circle like you always have that kind of glimpse of like the what if and I think the what if is really emphasized right now by social media because you can't really trust anything on social media that's one thing and then also social media allows for trust to be completely demolished because the false trust that we did have growing up can now be exposed with like say you know, people exposing you on their Snapchat stories or right. their Instagrams and like these these tea accounts like TikTok room. I don't know if the yeah. audience know what that is, but it's like trust has been such a big thing for so long. And now with social media allowing to broadcast every aspect of everybody's lives, it's allowing for exposés on the false trust that we were once given. So I think there's a good aspect to like not having trust. It's like you can see through people's bs and stuff Mm -hmm. but also it's kind of like the morality problem that i have which is like i don't think trust really exists because first of all i have my own problems with it growing up and stuff and second of all i don't think you can fully trust one person uh just because of the nature of this like world that being said um there's like a huge ethical and epistemological component of trust and it's kind of broken down in four ways which is the nature of trust the norma the the normativity of trust the value of trust and kind of like the references as to where they get that information and I usually for my research I go on this encyclopedia of philosophy on the internet sometimes people are like don't trust the internet but I think this is a great way of finding more information about philosophy and trust mainly because it's easy to read it's easy to comprehend and to break it down is not that hard so the first question I kind of want to dive into or the second question is what is trust to you 
do you think it relates to loyalty? Um, how does it affect your daily life? And what allows you to trust a person? I think trusting a person and trusting a concept are two very different things because you can put your faith in a person and they can, you know, fail you and they can go stab you, you know, behind your back and things like that. But when you put your trust in a system, like we all trust that a dollar means something. Like an actual True, yeah. And so we all have just kind of just as a society decided, like that means, you know, because we, we used to go by the gold standard where a certain amount, a certain weight of something you know, weighs the equal amount of food and, you know, you know, cattle or things like that. But now we weigh something that we've just established. Mm-hmm. So a dollar is worth something. And that currency keeps the American people alive. See, I, I didn't realize that, but yeah. that's so super true. It's because we're kind of putting our faith, like, in the money system. Like, right. what happens if we all, like like go against that and disappear our trust like does money not exist like we just like yeah. transform into a revolution yeah. um yesterday i watched an episode of rick and morty which i'm literally obsessed with but like instead of like they were trying to take down the government and um rick was like you know his kids or like his grandkids were asking him, like you know what are you gonna do like kill the leader like whatever and he was like no i'm gonna set their currency from one to zero and then everything falls apart because no one's getting paid to do anything so why would they pay mm-hmm. yeah why would they so do that? Mm-hmm. the entire government fell apart and nothing was you know like their government completely fell apart because one person didn't put their trust in the system and all this stuff so it's like right. what happens if somebody in the federal reserve is like Haha, well i don't trust you anymore i'm gonna exactly. just overturn this whole entire money concept right uh so how Trust is kind of defined in philosophy, and I'm quoting um, from the encyclopedia, is trust is an attitude or a hybrid of attitudes, for instance, optimism, hope, belief, and so forth, toward a trustee that involves some um, vulnerability to being betrayed on the truster side. And I think the vulnerability is a super prominent factor of this whole entire thing because think about it if you're a person and you're giving trust why would you give trust if you weren't in a vulnerable situation Mm -hmm. like you seek for trust when you are in that naive sense of point and i feel like that's why we put a lot of our lives like online a lot of our lives where we do put them because we're in a naive place and that's kind of like again the elitism puts us in this naive place it's crazy how we always talk about (laughs) elitism but once we're put in this super 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 vulnerable place we kind of reach to find like an equilibrium or an okay or a validation even Mm -hmm. and that's how we put our trust in our system and you said it through faith in people not necessarily religious but like our faith that everything happens according to plan right so here's the thing though with this kind of basis of trust of putting yourself at this vulnerable position does trusting involve optimism? Yeah, I, I think so, because you're optimistic that even though, like, a person or thing, like, even though you're giving yourself to it, you know it might fail, but you still optimistic it won't. And so if you, even, like, you know, if you just decide something and it goes your way, you're still optimistic it'll continue that way. Also, why would you trust somebody if you don't have any optimism? Right, and that's that's totally true. So it makes me question, if you're a pessimist, you just have no trust, which makes me kind of angry because I don't like to see myself as a... I call myself a pessimistic optimist. (laughs) I don't think that makes any sense, but I try to look at, like, the reality of things and then Mm -hmm. seek out um, 
like a solution from there. Yeah. So basically all these kind of questions, this kind of basis form the basis of the philosophy of trust and the epistemology of it. Here's another aspect of trust that coincides with the nature of trust. Um, and it's the reliance slash interpersonal trust. Do you think that having a reliance automatically makes you trust somebody more or make you trust somebody less or creates a symbiotic relationship between the trustee and the person um, receiving the trust? In an ideal world, and like in, in, the, in the perfect world, actually, in the perfect world, it would be a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. However, I would say in this day and age, there is rare mutu- mutuality. Mm-hmm. Um, in which people will do things for their own reasons and put their trust in weak in, in the weak and then have their trust broken. See, and I think that's what happens with elitism too, is because we as the common folk put our trust into government, into higher powers. Right. However, they have no obligation to give us like the full on truth because they already have trust within their whole entire circle as like an elite. Mm-hmm. So them giving us trust it's not something they need to do and you said in an ideal world it'd be a symbiotic relationship where we feed off of each other and both create this rough equilibrium but however now and how it's been for all of humanity it's had this kind of like very non-parallel field aspect to it since we usually put trust in people who have more power into us but then how do we know that they're not screwing us over Mm -hmm. for the for the future and the truth is they're probably screwing us over for the future because we give them their trust and they're just enabling it so they can keep their status quo and their power and everything so the idea that trust coincides with dependence and this very personal vulnerable thing is an interesting aspect in psychology as well because you could kind of talk about how like once you give somebody your trust and it gets betrayed, mm-hmm. that really psychologically affects somebody for a long, long time. Right. I mean, because as a child, you are fixated on your parents. Mm-hmm. And you biologically trust that they will provide for you and they'll you know, give you food, shelter, and clothing and things like that. But then when you, I guess, grow up or if something happens, you either lose that trust or maintain it and funnel it into different places. Because when you become a parent you are taking the trust that you learned as a kid and you bring it into your own family. Mm-hmm. And you want your kid to trust you. It's kind of like the nature you're growing up in. Right. So it's like the right. nature versus nurture argument. Yeah. yeah. Um, see, there's people who don't believe in what I just talked about, which is that trust uh, distinguishes... what that What distinguishes trust from mere alliance has anything to do with the trustee's motives or goodwill. And, and I'm also quoting from this article on the encyclopedia and this is by Catherine Hawley however I disagree with her because I feel like trust really is dependent on dependence because why would you seek out trust if you weren't dependent on somebody because you could just trust yourself however if you don't trust yourself you're going to find that trust and that validation from somebody else Mm -hmm. and how you're going to do that is by depending on that person so I reject what she's saying um because Although what she says, I guess, could make sense in an ulterior world where we have that symbiotic relationship, I don't think it could be applicable to now because I feel like everything is more so a power motive on the elitist hands um, yeah. and a power grab from the common folk. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you bring it into a relationship, it's not necessarily like as extreme as the government itself. 
Mm-hmm. But I think with a boyfriend or girlfriend, you depend on them for everything. I mean, and, and that might be, you know, just love and happiness. And that's that sometimes might mean more than money. And if you depend on that kind of satisfaction that way, it's a lot better than finding it from yourself because, you know, it's so nice to have someone like that. 100%. Um, another factor about trust that we can go into is the three-place trust or the two-place versus three-place trust. Mm-hmm. And basically, this idea was kind of brought out by a guy named Horsburr, Horsburr, or H-O-R-S-B-U-R-G-H, if you guys want to look him up, I believe around the 1960s, maybe 70s, probably 1960s, though. Uh, But what he's basically saying is you're asking somebody to do a task, so you put trust in them to do X task. So it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, Hannah, can you – I'm going to Idaho this week, so Hannah, can you – look over my cat. Of course so, I will. So I'm trusting <laughs> you to do that, to look over the cat. So then there's like this three kind of, three, like a triangle, basically. Like there's this triangle drawn. So I guess the next thing we could ask is, what if you don't feed my cat, but I don't know because I'm away. Mm-hmm. So then this trust is mistaken, creating a falsity of truth. Interesting. How do you think we approach the falsity of truth? And do you think there's a way to ever find out? Or how do you think there's a way to find out falsity of truth? Is it a psychological thing? Or is it a behavioral thing? Or what is your opinion on that? I think it is a behavioral thing because humans naturally want things good to come to them. Except you have to trust that if you treat someone a certain way, you'll be treated the same. And so if I watch my... Or if I watch your cat and if I go away you know, on a trip and I ask you to watch my cats, you will because you know that you want your cat to be watched over just as I would want mine. Yeah, you just don't want the other person to like, or the cat to die, right? So I think that's, um, it's definitely like something that I would want and so I know that you would want it as well. So that's that mutual trust we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to like a business deal, which is like, that's why contracts are so important. Because even though, like, if you do wholeheartedly trust the person, that's why it's so important to have a contract. Mm-hmm. Because you have everything on paper. Because if that trust is, some like, for some reason broken, you have evidence that you guys were working together. Very, very true. Um, so there's a lot of disagreement to this, like, three, uh, three-place system, this triangle, mm-hmm. I'm going to start to call it. Bayer, a philosopher, is like... Trust, he thinks, is one person trusting another with some valued thing. Mm -hmm. And Holly, as we just mentioned, who was kind of opposed to the whole entire uh, dependence on the person for trust, says that trust is primarily a three-place relation involving two people in the task. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, you have the two-place system where it's one person trusting another person. Mm -hmm. But on the other, other hand, you have a person who's trusting all three objects, including mm-hmm. themselves. So do you think it's more so two people trusting themselves or it's actually a th- like a triangle where mm-hmm. all three things work together? Um, it depends on where you're looking. Because if you trust a person um, to watch a cat, which is a re- really good example, mm-hmm. um, I think that they definitely, it's that third element that matters and that creates the trust between the two. However, if that element is broken, if, and if your cat gets sick because they don't feed her, like, that's my fault. And that trust is broken. And that line is broken between us two mm-hmm. with, without the element. 
Interesting. Yeah, no, I totally see what you're coming from. I think that I disagree with Holly on a lot or Holly yeah. um, just because I feel like she tries to put things that are not necessarily real in the situation. I mean, like right. a cat is real, but like it's we don't ha- like we don't have like the same communication with right. a cat as we do with a person. And I don't think you can really trust a cat just because they're not on that like equilibrium of sure. like no offense with brain level because yeah. they're not as like developed as we are because we're mm-hmm. way more communicative and there's a bunch of disparities between the two. Which makes me kind of lean into the next point of, do you think trust and belief are the same thing? Oh. Um. Like, religious belief? Or? No, just, like, believing in something. Like, trust and belief. Oh. No, I think, tr- like, believing is on a more emotional level, but trust is on a logistical and variable kind of level. Also, a lot of people could lie in their beliefs. We just had a conversation yeah. with, like, we know a person who, like, fabricates a lot of their story. Stories, right. So uh, we, could, we could easily say, like, if we believe them, how do we know we're believing the truth? But I feel mm-hmm. like with trust, I mean, I guess people could lie about trust, but I feel like it's way easier to fabricate a, a belief than yeah. a trust. Because a belief, I would say, is more variable than um, trust because trust is like a long-standing pact mm-hmm. a belief could easily vary depending on a time depending on a day depending on a given year that's fair like our beliefs change say in different political leaders almost mm-hmm. our beliefs change um in religion as we grow up but i feel like trusting is like an aspect to that that's kind of more so unexplainable and it's a more like long-standing pact that you have with that object with that person with okay. yourself no, I definitely agree with that. I definitely do agree with that. And I think it depends on where you stand at that current moment. Because if you trust somebody and you and you believe in them, you ha- they have your full attention. Yeah. And so if you stop believing in something, you'll stop trusting that person. Mm-hmm. And the entire relationship falls apart. 100%. Um, I want to make the last point of nature of trust, the last point of, like, the first thing that we're talking about, um, Mm -hmm. which is deception, um, deception versus detection and the monitoring of the both. I mean, I guess deception and detection and how we approach the monitoring of like lies and stuff in trust. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff about how we like face betrayal, face the disvalue of the potential betrayal, if you will. And Here's the thing is I feel like if you're actually being decepted to or detected to um, a falsity in the truth, it's not only that the person telling you the lie has to be held accountable, it's yourself too because you involve yourself in that situation, which I feel like a lot of people don't really like understand nor why we get into or or why we get into a lot of miscommunicative stances is because... Mm -hmm. Trust is a two-sided thing, and when it fails, it can't just be held on one person's side. It has to be held on the other person. So you have to subject yourself to vulnerability um, and, honestly, growth. Because I believe that if you mistrust somebody, then growth has to come from yourself. No, I completely agree. 100%. Okay. So second thing I'd like to brush on is the normativity of trust. And... This is kind of brought up between the trustee and the truster, and it's kind of like the ethics that play into trust. So there's mm-hmm. entitlement to trust, there's trust in words. 
there is obligation to trust. And lastly, there is, that's it. That's, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. So to recap, there is, oh no, there's trust. Okay. So there's trustworthiness. There is obligation to trust if I'm correct. There is trust in words and entitlement to trust. The four that help bring the normativity of trust. Mm -hmm. Entitlement to trust. Who do you think gives us the entitlement to trust and why do you think we follow it? Your parents. Your parents. Because they let you out of the house and assume that you're not going to OD somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think that that's true. However, like growing up, in my family situation, uh, you probably know it's like it's very rough. Mm-hmm. I feel like I wasn't necessarily given that um, slice of trust. So mm-hmm. my entitlement of trust really came from myself before anybody else. It was the trust that I was doing things with my music. And I think that's also something that people forget is that trust and where we get the entitlement to do it comes from all different places. You might have gotten it from your family. Um, my friends might have gotten it from, I mean, you're my friend, but like my other friends might have gotten it mm-hmm. from other places, maybe from school. I got it from myself. And I feel like a lot of us also get our entitlement to trust through the media. Yeah. We're told to believe one thing, um, depending on what side we're raised on. And we kind of also dismiss the fact that there's probably agendas in that entitlement to trust, right? That kind yeah. of like like obligation to follow the status quo of what society wants you to be, to be in this little box of what they're trying to push you into. Especially with the government. Yeah, no, 100% with the government. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that there's a huge power-hubbing structure in politicians, and politicians are not necessarily on our stri- on our side, and a lot mm-hmm. of it feeds into the elitism, because why would they ever want to change the elite class that they have? But I think people are starting to kind of realize it. Like, I always see, like, the radicals, my friends that are awesome radicals um that are like the revolution is coming soon for the common folk which makes me so happy because i feel like for literally all of like history um with humans being alive like there's always been like a power structure which has been um persuaded by the entitlement to trust Mm -hmm. the second thing is trust in words we trust what people believe we have we have given promises or we are granted promises from other people that things will be okay and that no matter what, we have to sit back, relax, and just, you know, enjoying this trust exchange with words. And here's what I think is crazy about the normativity of trust is, I think this is the biggest factor, is the trust in words. Do you agree? No, for sure. I think when people say, like, do I have your word? It's like, well, what does my word mean to you? Exactly. Mean? No, a thousand percent. And I feel like we're often dismayed by the fact that not everybody's going to tell the truth and we always hope for the best and have that and hold that trust like to ourselves and I think a lot of the times we don't hold trust accountable no I completely agree yeah because sometimes we forget the promises that we're made to and I think that's just again like a power having motive made by the elitism and the classism that needs to instill so they can grab more power third thing is the obligation to trust um so this is kind of based on promise making and it's kind of made on like how we're all brought up. And it's like, we all are raised kind of under the assumption by society that we have this need 
like no matter what, it's not a want, it's a need to trust the people in power. It's the need to trust the status quo because that's how things have been for so many years. So how could we not believe that that's right? So they brainwashed into thinking us the way that things are going is the way that things should be rather than like a radical change in government and like a more progressive left-leaning approach to things. And they do that because that just sets in stone their agenda for um, keeping up the status quo. And I always constantly say keeping up the status quo because you see how history doesn't really change. It's always like this classism and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's because they've been so comfortable living like this. So they kind of instill this obligation to trust. And I feel like this all just boils down to the philosophy of trust. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it like starts there. And exactly. Yeah, 100%. Like throughout history, we've, I mean... People have been told things and people have been lied to. Like, I mean, even in America, like, we've been told that, you know, Thanksgiving is about turkey and feasting and being with your family. But in reality, like, it was awful because lots of Native Americans were killed because they, we, like, we brought over diseases. Exactly. No. And people don't, like, talk about, talk, talk about that. They don't talk about the problems that really affect us because... Or not affect us, but the problems that have affected people in the past because that's how they keep their status quo. That's how they sell more meat. That's how the consumerism society works. Mm -hmm. And it's very morally wrong. So when we talk about trust being morally right or morally wrong, I say that it leans more to the morally wrong side of things because who's giving us this trust? And this is the postmodernist in me coming (laughs) out. But who is giving us this information? Who is giving us this obligation to be trustworthy? Who is giving us, us this, like blueprint of oh no we need to trust these people because they've Mm -hmm. always been right no i completely completely agree so last thing is trustworthiness in the normativity of trust and i'm going to quote this article but some philosophers working on trustworthiness focus more on two-place trust as such since the two-place trust relation is intuitively a more robust one they put forward accounts of trustworthiness that are generally quite demanding and that they require the trustee to be reliably making good on their own commitments, but also do the, so of the right movement. So basically what they're saying is trustworthiness really stems from the person who's the trustee being morally aligned, making good decisions. But how do we know they're going to make good decisions? Like, we don't know that for sure. And I feel like, again, that all, all boils down to do you trust this person? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when we're trying to trust people, we, like, we were talking about it before, like, faith and belief. That, like, you are willing to, like, give up your, part, a part of yourself to believe in something. A thousand percent. And the last thing that forms the philosophy of trust is the value of it. Yeah. How much value do you place on trust? I would say 90% of my existence. Really? I mean, like, I trust that my parents provide for me. I trust that my school is teaching me the right things. I trust that the government is paying me well. I trust that, you know, my car works when I drive it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is just something that we live in our lives. Like, what about you? Like, what percentage of your day do you think you spend trusting things? Here's the thing is, when you were saying that, the only thing that I could really, really put this to is luck. Mm -hmm. Because you said, I trust that my car is working. I wouldn't say that's trust. I put that on luck. And I used to hate comparing luck to anything because I'm like, mm. luck is totally cap, blah, right. blah, blah. Fair. But I think that the more I grow, the more I have trouble placing trust on anything. Mm-hmm. And I think, yes, I value trust, but I've never been exposed to it for a good amount of time. And if I have, then it's often been cut short by people, by things, by other mm-hmm. like external factors. So my value of trust 
is extremely high when granted it. However, I don't trust anything. I think trust is such a, like, how do you, like, I don't want to say valuable. I want to say, like, limitless, but, like, it, you can't buy it. You can't buy trust. You can't, like, it's, it's such a crazy thing. And it also makes me think that, like, do animals have their own trust? I think trust is their own thing as, like, a human species. No, I mean, I think your cat, like, trusts that he'll, like, you know, you'll take care of her or him. But is that something they can even comprehend, you know? Like, do you think they feel the trust in, oh, I'm going to feed my cat, feed my cat, feed, feed my cat tonight? Or, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me that something so simple as having faith or having a belief or having trust can go into this huge epistemological sense. Mm -hmm. And... It's episodes like this where I really second guess my whole entire existence yeah. as like a human because I'm like, wow. Yeah. I feel like in the past though, I've definitely, especially when you're like, actually, no, when you're little, you don't really trust anyone. You just think that everything is normal. Well, you think everything is normal, but also you're not, you don't trust anybody until they prove to you that, that it's not worth, yeah. However, sense. and when we grow up, we trust everything. Yeah. We trust the we trust like the government that they're doing the right thing. We trust as you said our car, our parents. But when we're little, we are we are snobby. We're like, no, like I'm not trusting you until you prove me wrong. Right. That's interesting. Well that's how you make friends. Exactly. That's how you learn. Exactly. It's how you learn, that's how you make friends. And it's like it's surrounded by our environment, but mm-hmm. I'm like I feel like the normal person, I'm going in the opposite direction. And I'm like, mm-mm, I t- literally don't trust anything and yeah, anyone. Because you will develop trust issues. Exactly. Issue. No, 100%. Um, so basically, that was kind of like a short summary yeah. of the philosophy of trust. Not the book, but more so the ethics and the epistemology of it. And I really hope that you guys enjoy this. Yeah, and the point of these podcasts is to twist your reality. Yeah, to twist and literally, it's tragic. It's it's a tragic. It's tragedy tragedy right here. Um, as always, it all started with the Greeks. All Mm -hmm. started with Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, the lovely Western philosophers. All of the fine and divine people of course our society the way our minds work yeah or more so set the regulations for their ideal right world so i blame them for the classism <laughs> and elitism that we now inhibit to this day uh-huh okay well that wraps it up till next time till next time goodbye <laughs>